Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to CEO Show. We're here today with Terry Rasmussen. How are you, Terry? I'm well. And Terry is the CEO of Thrivent. Now, this is a 120-year-old company founded in 1902, Fortune 500 diversified financial service company, about $10 billion in revenue and, um, and about $189 billion in assets. But it's different than any Fortune 500 company that I've spoken with because it is probably the original purpose-driven company. Talk about the organization. Thank you for having me, Robert. And I'm always delighted to tell people about Thrivent. And like you said, we are the original purpose-based company. In our case, uh, how that shows up, it's really a part of our DNA. And it's also a part of our clients' DNA, those we serve. So all responsible corporations today, they mobilize their workforce to give back to their local communities. And that's how they translate purpose. In our case, we obviously do that with our workforce, but we do it with our clients. And so in 2021, we mobilized 1.9 million clients and they gave back almost 11 million hours of volunteer service to make their communities better. A part of that is also we raise several hundred million dollars a year through our clients and, and through donations to also contribute financially to those local communities. Let's go into the, the words. And it, it's truly impressive what you're doing. You have words like gratitude, generosity, but these aren't platitudes. This is in your DNA. Talk about how you do that. I know you've like 2.3 million clients. So it's a lot of people mostly focused in the Midwest. How do you actually do that? How we do it is through advice and really understanding our clients and what's important to them. We believe money is a tool. It's not a goal. And when you have that belief then, then you, you understand the needs of your clients, what's important to them. Often what's important to them is their family. It's important that they're contributors to society, so they want to give back to their local communities and they want to take care of one another. We just spent some time going deep in the homes of our clients and listening to what they had to say and uniformly across the spectrum, they believe that we should love everyone and that we should take care of everyone and we should be good citizens and contribute to society. So let's talk about the workforce. It's almost 6,000 people. How do you hire? How do you train? It does start with the culture and it is a culture of caring and compassion. And sometimes you can't really train that, but you can you can set expectations and recruit for that. Because what we find is the people that work for us, they truly care. Especially during the pandemic, when we had a lot of clients that were isolated, you know, our call center professionals, you know, they ask them how they're doing. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, just kind of chit chat and getting to know you and how are you doing? And it's sincere and authentic. And we had this one case where a daughter called in to our call center. She was concerned about her mother because her mother was in an assisted living. And she was increasingly worried about isolation. And, of course, we were um, her long-term care insurance providers, so we were paying her claims. And they asked if they could take their mother home and care for their mother in their home and would we continue to, to pay the claim. 
And of course, our call professional said, of course we will, because we care. We want to make sure that your mother is in a place where she's cared for and she's not isolated. And, and so that's what we do. One of the things that we hold very dearly is we, we ask our workforce to do what's right. And, you know, they, they never disappoint me. I want to go into that asking what's doing right. But what I like is, is this compassion and caring. I, I just read this book, The Double Bottom Line by a CEO, D'Amato Tremuto, and he talks about compassionate leadership. And it sounds like this is something that you just build in people. And you probably don't hire people unless they have the core of that. And you probably don't accept clients if they don't have the potential for that, is what I'm guessing. We do attract um, people that, that have a lot of care and compassion to, to the work that we do. They get great joy in seeing our clients succeed. They get great joy in interacting and volunteering with the clients that we serve. And so it is a part of who we attract. What most CEOs are talking about is, is culture, especially these days, with the talent born, the great resignation, what do you do specifically? Are there any things, like, oh, every Thursday we eat anchovies together, a any unique practices that you have that other CEOs could learn from? I think being approachable and really asking for feedback. I've said for many, many years that, that feedback's a gift. You know, I, I share with our workforce, I said, my expectation is I'm better next week than I am this week. And any coaching that you can give me demonstrates that you care. And so we have a, a culture of, of caring and supporting one another and, and you know, bringing out the best in one another, which is really important. The other thing that we have here is a tremendous amount of trust. And so I know today, CEOs, I think the, the, some of the more difficult questions we're wrestling with is how do you get people back into the office? And, you know, how do you, what do you think about this hybrid and, and remote work? And in 2021, we broke every financial record we could. We demonstrated that we can be extraordinarily successful working remotely. And so we trust our people that, you know, if they, if they want to come into the office, and we have a beautiful new building here, so people do want to come into the office, they'll come into the office. But, but if they need quiet time, if they need a place to, to, to work wherever they are, and so I think flexibility and trust of your workforce that they will deliver for you if you empower them is a, is a message I'd like to send. Can you give your definition? Terry's definition for purpose-driven company. A purpose-driven company, in our case, our purpose, we believe that humanity thrives if you make the most of all you've been given. And so in our case, it's really starting to, to understand first, what have you been given and so that you can make the most of it. And it's generally around your talent, your treasures, and, and what you can contribute to society. In diversified financial services, you've said before that Financial services hasn't really nailed down the customer experience. Talk about what you mean. In financial services, especially diversified financial services, we're kind of stuck in I you know, what I would say is business models. And so if you think about banking, you know, you're stuck in banking or you're stuck in insurance or you're stuck in investments. And there's not really many places or models where it's a true integration. And consumers they don't really care about that distinction. You know, they want to find a trusted advisor that they can get advice from and that they can, they can see their financial picture in an integrated way. And it's got to be seamless and frictionless. And as I look across the diversified financial services, I think banking is ahead. 
brokerage is, you know, pretty good if you think about the Schwabs and the Fidelities. And the property casualty insurance providers are pretty good. They've, they've had to compete and, and go digital. But then you come to the life insurance companies, and, and, I, and I say this publicly to my peers in the life insurance industry, I can't think of another business model where you're using the same process you've used for 75 years around underwriting, where you have somebody come to your house, stick a needle in your arm, take some blood, have you pee in a cup, and you know, then have you step on a scale, and that's your first experience, your customer experience with the life insurance industry. And so it's pretty awful. And so, so I think we have a huge opportunity to, to make it seamless, effortless, intuitive, and really helpful so that clients can see what they have and so that they can decide then what to do with it. So I want to talk about being an ethical company. So for 11 of the past, 11 consecutive years, you've been on um, Ethisphere's. It's a great model. and It's a real honor. And it's very hard to get on. You've been on this list. Talk about what it means to be an ethical driven company. When you combine it with purpose-based and ethics, those are both extraordinarily important to the clients we serve. And, and so when you have that kind of combination, that's how you build trust in the marketplace. And it's a real sense of pride uh, among our workforce, too, because one of our values, our deep embedded values, is doing what's right. And so that comes through in, in our ethics. And so doing, doing the right thing always is, is just a part of who we are. Clients appreciate it. They come to expect it from us. And it's a real competitive advantage in earning trust. So I want to go into you personally and your leadership philosophy. Uh, What's interesting is I've never interviewed a Fortune 500 CEO who also was a dental hygienist and also a CPA and a general counsel. I grew up on a farm in West Central Minnesota. I'm a middle child. And uh, my older sister, there was no doubt in anybody's mind the gifts that she'd been given. She was an incredible artist. And my younger brother, there was no doubt um, that he loved farming and, you know, the gifts that he had been given. And then there was me in the middle, clueless. I was really struggling with that. And my dad uh, went to the dentist one day who happened to be his friend. And he must have been, you know, also sharing his concern for his middle child. And so the two of them decided that I should become a dental hygienist. And in part because I was gravitating toward health careers and health service. And I wanted to help people. And they decided, they said, look, you know, it's a great profession. You know, there's a lot of demand. You can always find a job. You don't have to work on weekends. Um, you know, the money's good. And, and so, you know, I said, okay, well, I'll start a, as a dental hygienist. And when I was in dental hygiene school, I learned to love learning. I wanted to not only get my four-year degree, but then I wanted to go to grad school. So kind of as a process of elimination, I to get my four-year degree, my sister-in-law, she was majoring in accounting, and she brought her books uh, home one weekend, and I looked at those and said, huh, that looks kind of fun. So we mapped out a way where I could get my four-year degree in 18 months. And then that kind of narrowed my graduate school to pretty much law school. So decided to, to go to law school and did that. Had a career in law and, and eventually found my way to Thrivent and uh, had the opportunity to run our core business several years ago. And, and that then turned into me becoming the CEO in November of 2018. What advice do you have on this to other people who are building careers? My dad gave me great advice throughout the years. He said, you know, he said, Terry, Find out what you love to do because you got to do it a long time. And so you should love what you do. That's my advice for, for people as well. Stay curious. 
Uh, love what you do. Try things. You know, you don't you don't know if you like something unless you try it. And I've had over the years some great role models because I do think it's important that people see themselves in leadership. And I had a wonderful role model at American Express. Louise Parent was the general counsel there when I was in their general counsel's office. And don't underestimate the importance of being able to see yourself in leadership because then you know it's possible. And also your dad and your uncle, other role models, right? Yeah, my uncle you know, owned a small community bank here in, in Minneapolis and in the 60s had a woman on the board and was always a huge supporter of mine. But in 1990, we created what would have been a venture fund in, in a county and really to, to start to attract medical companies. And, you know, they named me the CEO or, or the, the chair of the board. And I had no idea what that meant. But they, I had all these wonderful people that were surrounding me with their wisdom. And uh, it was a lot of fun. On your leadership philosophy, I know you've ones about calmness in the eye of the storm, communicating. Just give a snapshot of how you lead this purpose-driven, ethically-driven company. I do think being clear about expectations and, you know, encouraging people to try things. Um, you know, I said, what's the worst that can happen? We learn something. It's about testing and learning and exploring. And, you know, some of the greatest things that you discover are, um, you know, things that you thought it would go one way and it end up going the other way. And so be, be curious and, and continuous, uh, continuous to learn and then set those expectations. Make them a little, you know, stretchy because it's always amazing what people can accomplish when they set their mind to it and give them the resources and tools to do it. And then when, when crisis hits, because inevitably they will, I mean, look at the last couple of years, the important thing is, is as it gets crazier for me, I've learned over the years that I have to get calmer because calmness actually helps people settle down and it helps, helps us say, you know, this, is, this soon will pass. And how do we how do we walk through, talk through, you know, what we're going to do next? And so I, I share with with the Thriving team, you know, when something happens, the first thing we need to do, we need to listen. And when we listen, we learn. And then finally, once we listen and learn, then we can react. And 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 so I like that in that order uh, because it, it, it just achieves better outcomes. As a purpose driven company, arguably the original purpose driven company, what advice do you have to CEOs on how they could infuse the concept of purpose-driven into their entire culture? What I would say is it has to be authentic. It has to be a part of your business. It's got to be something that gets your workforce and everyone excited that they can self-identify with that purpose. And it's all about making the lives of those that you serve better. And so what is it that, that you can articulate that your business does to make the lives of your clients, your customers, those that you serve better? And is that something that your workforce is going to really rally around? And there you have it. Anyone who wants to learn more about the organization, what is your website? Thrivent.com. Terry. Great having you on the CEO show. Congratulations on the tremendous success that you've done as a model organization. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a, a, a true pleasure. 